Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Good morning. Everybody doing good? Yeah, I just feel like I want to jump down here. You guys all right if I jump down here? Thanks, man. I just feel closer. I'm going to come down anyway, and then my Bible will be way up there. So, Good to see you this morning. Everybody doing good? Man, you got folks out there in the foyer. Hey, guys. <laughs> there's such a glare, I can't see you, but amen. I know there's folks there. Wow. Good morning. Man, I got some things on my heart. I'm glad we're here. Listen, Pastor already said it. You really stir yourself when you come to church in the morning. Man, don't get into the practice of just going to church because it's Sunday and it's 1030. All right? I mean, really, uh, last night we talked about relationship and communion with God, and there has to be a strong why in everything we do. Sometimes you can let church attendance take the place of knowing Him. You can let your daily devotion take the place of knowing Him. You can just say, oh, I read today. Okay. (laughs) It's not really the goal. The goal is knowing Him. The goal is knowing Him and being transformed by Him, letting His truth come into our life and change our life. Because honestly, this is, this is absolutely true. The way we were all taught to think and live and respond in life has nothing to do with truth almost all the time. The way we were taught to feel when people said certain things, acted certain ways, did certain things, our reaction was learned through the fall of man, if I can be, be bold and say that. It, 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 by, by just being born into Adam, born into the fall, we were taught by the spirit of the world and the spirit of this age. In Proverbs 14, it says, I think it's verse 12, it says there's a way that seems right. It seems right. But the end of that way is death. Two chapters later, he says the same exact thing again. That's impressive to me. That two chapters later, he repeats that again. And he says, hey, there's a way that seems right. It seems right. Come on, you were familiar with it since since the day you were born. It starts in uh, grade school and somebody mocks you openly and you're just really young, but you're self-conscious enough and understanding enough and wise enough in the world that you know somebody's making fun of you and the two other people at the table giggled. And you have a couple options. You either get crushed, devastated, get introverted and let your identity get smashed already at age seven or eight. Or you become a fighter and get hard and retaliate and fight back and whatever. You have several options, but none of them are Jesus because nobody's teaching us that at that age. We're by sheer instinct responding a certain way. Are you following what I'm saying? And the way that seems right. Like nobody told a little new, newborn baby, uh, you know, nobody told him how to... Uh, Covet another baby's toy or, no, as cute as they are, I love children. But you say, honey, I don't want you to do that. Listen, don't, don't, no, mommy doesn't want you, honey. If you touch that, it'll tip, it'll break. And I don't want you hurt and I don't want that broke. And, 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 you, and then you go. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, 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 honey, honey. No, I love you, sweetie. Mama said No. <laughs> Anybody ever see that? Did anybody teach him that? It's just there. It's called the fall of man. It's called the fall of man. Nobody taught two little kids. "Eh, My, my. ah, ah." 
So parents may never, and it's possible, the parents may never fight. It's possible. Never argue, never hit each other with stuff. It's possible. Amen? Amen. And yet the children are sitting there, boom. And nobody ever taught them that. It's just there. That's why we all need born again. Now, I said it last night. I'm going to say it again because I'm going to show you something in 2 Corinthians. But the biggest mistake that we can make... See, because the reason we gather together, there's a lot of reasons for the local church. I don't have to go into all that. There's a lot of reasons for the local church. But the main reason we assemble ourselves together in a morning like this is to certainly corporately worship, celebrate, cheer on, look around the room and realize, man, I ain't the only one. There's people in this race. There's other people that are believing and pursuing like I am. So you're encouraged by that. But also, it's a stirring up of ourselves in love and good works so that we never miss the reason for being. Because life is a search and an experiment for so many people. And even late in life, they're still trying to figure out why they're here and what life's all about. Life is tough and life is this and life is that. No, life is a gift and it's from the Lord. And if you step into purpose and created value and true identity, it's amazing to be alive. And you won't be praying for the great escape and come Lord Jesus quick and all that stuff. Because life is actually amazing in God when you see through truth. And that's what I'm going to talk about here in a second. And that's what I'm going to cheer you on in this morning. Getting the perspective that keeps you alive and encouraged inside. Where your heart isn't disheartened. Come on, if you're discouraged, where's your focus? How things aren't working out for your sake. Well, if God thought that way, He's trashed right now. Because He sees the whole world at once. He saw everything that went on in the last 24 hours. Everything. Some people go, Everything? Everything. (laughs) But he's different. He sees things for their potential, for creative value, for purpose. Do those things need repented? Do they need change? Are they unfortunate? Absolutely. But God's not a wreck. He's the God of all hope and he sees everything all the time. One time, and I'm not being, I'm not being, you don't have to believe me on this. I'm not, I'm not being weird when I say this. To my knowledge, one time in my 18-year Christianity, I was found in the presence of the Lord discouraged one time. To my knowledge, I don't even understand discouragement. I am so alive inside, it's ridiculous. You, you, I see now, I finally see, truth has made me free. So all hell could be breaking loose. There was a season in my life my wife wasn't thinking clear and went in, introverted and in a deep depression because she thought she had no value. And here I am preaching value. Isn't that ironic? And both my kids saw that and played off the weakness of that and found an excuse to do weak things all at one time. And you'd have never known that was going on. Why? Because that's not who I am. That's not They need Jesus more than ever now. They don't need a hurting dad and a broken husband. Now, if they're alive for me, then I'm a wreck. But if I'm alive to love, then I understand. And if I'm not self-centered and self-serving, well, then I guess I'm okay in the hour they need me most, huh? And I guess I'm not just another man that needs counsel and help and hurt feelings. You have no ability to hurt my feelings, I promise. Your feelings will get hurt trying to hurt my feelings. <laughs> how do you emotionally abuse something that knows what it is? Like, if I know who I am, how do you emotionally abuse that? 
If I understand why I'm alive this morning, how can you do anything but encourage that and cheer that on? If I'm really serious and I believe this. See, I was in the presence of the Lord and He said, why would you be discouraged? And I looked and realized there was an area of discouragement in life that I was seeing something for how it was affecting me instead of how I could respond to it in Christ Jesus. And that one little, that one little thing was affecting a whole area of my life because of the way I was seeing it. Some of us aren't even challenging. We've never even been challenged with the way we see it. It's just the way that seems right. And when people do wrong, you have feelings and you have this and you have that. And then you have opinions. And then you bring other people into the conversation and they have opinions too. And they can get really crazy and ugly. And the whole time we're going, holy to the Lord. And yet we're a mess because of ten other things. And God wants us to see way different than that. He doesn't want us a product of what we're going through. He wants us a product of what He went through. He wants us to live from the place of what He accomplished and not let life speak so loud that truth begins to get quenched by life and life is speaking louder than truth. Because it's truth that makes you free and truth is what causes you to live your life in Him. Where I said it last night, you have four or five reasons now why you're not where you could be. But none of the things on the list are the Lord. They're just factors in your life. Are you guys following me? So, so look, so my wife, she believes at a point in her time, a life a long time ago, I was two and a half years saved, and she was changing slowly on me. And I said, honey, what's going on? Baby, talk to me. We had a marriage that at that time was a fantasy. No, I've never even talked to anyone that experienced and had what we had for those two years. It, it was ridiculous what's available when two are yielded and surrendered for one cause. When one plus one equals a stronger one, that's an awesome thing. When two souls, two wills, two makeups come together for his namesake, period. And you don't even know how to disrespect, devalue, or see one another apart from love. It's amazing what's in you and in the room all the time. I'm telling you, it's something to go after, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not to get teased by what I say and hear the sermon for your spouse and think, boy, I hope they're listening. No, because I'm talking to you, not them. <laughs> you know, you're looking at them, why are they rooting in their gum pack right now? That's the devil. I bind you, devil. Don't distract them. And then you're already distracted and you didn't even hear I was talking to you. <laughs> and you're listening for them. <laughs> selfish, selfish, selfish stuff. I'm just saying. We do that stuff. No, God's not talking to them. He's talking to you, right? Every time you open that book, don't read your Bible for somebody else. You know, I've never read my Bible for you. I've never read my Bible so I could preach, ever, not one time. I preach out of knowing Him. I preach out of my relationship. I'm not saying it's wrong to get notes or study or cross-reference something. I never read my Bible so I'm empowered to preach. I've read my Bible to know Him, and knowing Him empowers you to preach. Amen. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Or I'm just passing doctrine along. Oh boy. Probably I'll speak out of my life and my heart. That's why I get a little funny now and then. <laughs> and I feel stuff inside. Because, <laughs> see, you weren't in my shoes when my wife had identity crisis. And for six years started to believe it was better if she wasn't even alive. 
because she was a weight on everyone around her and she was a failure and she couldn't get it right and nobody really loved her. They just loved me, so they said hi to her. She started believing that. You say, well, she needed deliverance. No, she needed to stop believing a lie. The gospel is what values you. The fact that Christ died is all you're going to get in the way of identity and value. So grab it, hold on tight, and never let go. Because if you're trying to find value through one another, no wonder we're disappointed. Because not everybody's living perfect all the time, and not everybody's seeing you clear all the time. And sometimes they might not be having the best day. So why does that mean your day's influence now? See, there's someone living inside of me. (laughs) You get it? And he happens to be king. He happens to be Lord. He happens to be the truth. And he chose to come and set up his home inside of us. Amen? I didn't ask him to come. He created me to live here. Sin evicted him a long time ago from his house, so he dealt with the problem and moved back in. Amen. Did you get it? (laughs) He made me to live inside of me so that he could shine through me. And you think I'm going to have a tough day because my wife's not having a good day? All the more reason to love and manifest Him. All the more reason to diffuse the fragrance of His knowledge wherever I am. It's not time to be another hurting preacher that his wife is putting pressure and I can't carry the weight of this ministry and honey, you need to... And behind the scenes, you need to get with it. You don't realize what you're putting me through. And, da, da, da. and now I'm putting it all on her and telling her she needs to change so I'm okay. It all seems right to a man. But tell me what it produces. I've never seen it produce nothing good. Obligatory response. Yes, sir. Okay. Suck it up. Hi. Trashed inside. Hi. I've never seen it produce nothing good. Now, here's the truth. You might not understand this, but I'm believing God's going to help us get it. I need you and you need me to lock arms to fulfill the great will of God on the earth. We need each other. We're a team. We're a family. But I don't need you at all. Zero. No way to know who I am. I found me through him and now I can finally have healthy relationship with you because you owe me nothing. I've become who I've always been created to be and I finally love. You get it? All of a sudden you don't owe me a thing. So you can't break my heart, hurt me, offend me and frustrate me. I care for you. You say, yeah, but wonder if you do this. Wonder if you do this. Wonder if I do this. Wonder if this would happen. You're telling me if this would happen. And we paint all these crazy analogies and try to challenge love. And it's just the way that seems right to man, giving up a permission slip to stay the same. So if Jesus thought like you were thinking in that selection of questions, he probably wouldn't have came and died, huh? He'd probably had a lot of reasons to stay up there. But he came, didn't he? And for the joy set before him, he went through whatever it cost. You guys getting that? So look, in the natural, my wife, you know what my kids pulled on me? Watch what my kids did, man. It's amazing what the flesh will do to find permission to, to serve it. They came to me. Now, this isn't a great testimony. And I know God's changing this, but in their little circle, there's no reflection on you. In our little circle that we were in, my kids came to me and said, Dad, because they were seeing Mom, they were seeing this. Now, as a man, I could have got offended at that. I could have said, I guess I could have. I didn't know how to anymore. I don't know how to. Jesus realigned me. I guess I could have said, you know, this isn't fair. Well, don't you realize what you're... Well, honey, you need to look. You're even influencing the kids. Don't you realize what's happening? And I could have got into all this rightness and wrongness and 
and let all that that was taking place determine who I am today. And all of a sudden, all those things are fashioning me, and yet I sing that he's the great potter. You follow me? So my kids came to me and they said, well, Dad, nobody's like you. We've never met anybody like you. You're extreme. Dad, you're on a tangent. Even at church, no one's like you. It can't be the way you say. And the way, I said, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? They brought up people and named names and were looking around for weaknesses and brought that to me as their dad and said, you're extreme, Dad. You're over the top. It's not that way. Look at everybody else around us. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're kidding me. Guys, who are you following? Them or Jesus? You look at Jesus. Why are you looking at them to compare me to them? Compare me to Jesus. You look at Jesus. That's who we're following. So why are you using the people in our church and exploiting their lives and fault finding and then bringing that to me as if you have an excuse now to go live in your flesh? Guys, what are you trying to pull on me? And I cheered them on and encouraged them and they went, whatever. And they both went this way and this way. And my wife was here in a corner. It was amazing all at one time. I look back on that, I'm so like, because I flourished. I grew so much and prospered so much in the Lord. I became so rock solid, unmovable and unshakable because I love not my own life unto death. They are not on the planet for me. Do you get it? They're not on the planet for me. I'm on the earth to love and to manifest Him. And if they're hurting, they need wisdom, they need love, they need mercy all the more. And even wonder if I do have to correct them. I sure better not be doing it because I'm hurt and frustrated. That's sure a bad and sour thing. Just frustrated. Just setting them straight. How many times have we done that to each other? We're just so sure they're wrong, it makes us right. That doesn't mean you have a voice. You only have a voice when you love. Now you listen carefully because I feel that thing stirring in me. You only have a voice to correct when you love. Grace is only with you when your heart's in agreement with Him. You say, yeah, but somebody needs to set Him straight. Certainly not you. Get His heart and you'll have a voice. Somebody has to hold Him accountable, brother. That's religious. Stop that. You're not in a position, you have no authority unless you become love. Don't even correct your children because you're frustrated, please. You correct your children because they're more than what they're giving themselves to and their value is greater and their destiny is greater than what they're living toward. You don't correct them because they disobeyed you. You teach them what disobedience is and what they're giving themselves to and you always do it for their sake, not because you're frustrated. Well, you can do it that way if you want, but I promise you heaven's not with you on that. Because that's not how God's doing it. While you were yet a sinner, he sent his son and said, hey, you got a way greater value. Why don't you rise out of the darkness? Come over here into the light. You're a lot more than you think you are. Look, you don't know who you are, but I've known from the beginning. Now come on over here and follow me. That's how God's father does. I'd rather go that way. Amen? Amen? Listen, I've lived on both sides like most of us have. I know what it's like to be hurt, offended, broken, angry, bitter, mad. I know how it is to look at my kids and almost feel like I didn't even like them at times when I was not saved. He changed everything. 
The whole reason you're alive is for his image, church. The whole reason you're on the planet is to manifest who he is in the face of it all. He's never promised you a cookie-cutter life. He's never promised you all your ducks in a row. He never said there wouldn't be challenges, adversity, and the people wouldn't make wrong decisions. How we put God in this weird box, like he's just controlling everybody's hearts, attitudes, minds. There's people sitting today on the earth mad because somebody made a decision. Well, why did God let him make the decision? He is not a puppet master. And we're not robots. He sets before us life and death and tells us to choose life. And some people don't. He wants a relationship. He just doesn't want your service. He's not a robot with remote control with your name on it. I mean, you're not a robot. He's not a puppet master. He doesn't have a control with your name on it. You're not a robot. You're a human being that's made in His image that He paid the price to put His Spirit inside of so He can manifest who He is. And do you know how many people have God in this place and they're being deceived and and they they got issues upon issues and it's constantly this thing about, well, if God, well, then how come? Well, why? And they're letting life speak loud and they're so confused. They don't even know where their heart is today. They don't even know if they want God because if God was so good, then how come? And they got a list. They might just have one thing, but it's so big to them that it outweighs the truth of who he is. Satan has the voice and they're deceived and shipwrecked. And look what that's producing. Who's ever had a hurt heart and you can tell me you were prospering? Who's ever been frustrated and angry and unforgiveness and tell me you were being productive and actually blessed? Come on, it's a scam. It's a lie. Why do we even give ourselves to it? Because it seems right. Because we have such a case laid against the thing and such an indictment here that it seems right and our response seems justified. But if it's not producing life, it can't be the Lord. If it's not seeing the best in others, it can't be Jesus. Man, I, I don't know. Last night I felt so disjointed speaking. I'm like, what is going on? I felt like there was a whole lot of people in the room that had veiled faces and weren't getting close to God. I honestly felt like it was a lot of folks in the room last night that were being denied from true intimacy and fellowship and relationship with God. God's heart was crying out at me saying, man, I want them in my presence. I want people in my presence. Isn't that awesome? That's what I felt like God was saying last night. It's amazing what's going through me this morning. I'm feeling like there's so many beliefs and thoughts floating around that some of us don't have a clear view and perspective of God and we're trying to find it along the way and we already found it through His Son. We already know who God is through His Word. Life doesn't reveal Him. He's already revealed through His Son. And then we get, we get our hopes up and we hear God's Word and we hear a preacher encourage us in good things and then life says something different and we go, oh, well, well, then how come? And we're constantly challenging the person of God through the, the ways of life. When you can only get through life by settling on who He is. He wants you so rock solid and so firm and so established in who He is that you're unmovable and shakable and life can't suggest anything else. And you apply that truth of who He is to the situation instead of let the situation change your mind. You guys follow me? Come on, how are you ever going to get rooted and grounded in love if love's in question every time you have a circumstance? I have heard countless people in my Christian life mentioned people in their lives, siblings, spouses, parents, and they're hurt and they're broken because a loved one went astray, did something wrong, drank themselves to death, and all of a sudden God somehow is responsible for death. Come on. 
If you put God in that position, how can you ever have a relationship with Him? It's just contingent on your circumstances. You've reduced Him to a servant. And you'll be, watch this, I'm not being mean, you'll be a spoiled child. And you would say shame on your friends if they treated their kids that way. You'd say shame on you to your own friend if they were fathering and mothering that way. And somehow we think God's supposed to be that way. And we'll, we'll throw fits and we'll go on little seasons where we're just frustrated. We're just mad at God. Well, I'm just mad at God. Man, I'm talking to a handful of folks in here. What are you doing assuming the right to get mad at God? Are you kidding me? He made you in His image. That got perverted. So He sent His Son to become what we were so we could become what He is, get filled with His Spirit, get back on track as if sin never happened, and run a race as if we've never missed a step. And we still got issues because of circumstances? No, we just don't understand. God is good. Man has never, ever, ever had the ability to change who God is. God has remained a rock through the ages. But He possesses the power to change man. If we'll just get humble before Him and release Him from the court of our mind. He is not guilty except for loving us relentlessly and sending His Son to make up for the mess. That's all He's guilty of. Doing right. I'm I'm not being mean right now don't think I haven't had loss in my life I'm not being insensitive but he hasn't killed our kids he hasn't killed our parents he hasn't killed our spouses he has put his son on the cross to raise us from the dead and somehow in America we've preached this gospel where it's all about God serving us and blessing us and meeting all our many needs which most are wants I'm not being mean, man. I hope you're okay. See, man, why did I come this morning? I just feel this in my heart. I feel like God's crying out. I feel like He's getting such a rap. And we listen to the lies and the way that seems right to man much more than we're listening to the heart of God through His Son. You cannot, church, you and I cannot afford to bring the way that seems right to man into the gospel and incorporate Him into that mess that is deadly. All things become new. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Do you think that has to do with the way we think and speak and rationalize and see too? Renewed in the spirit of your mind, not conformed anymore to the world, but transformed by thinking different? You think that's important? Seeing through new eyes? Come on, man. Don't boast in the ability to have an attitude or cop an opinion. That's just the sign of the fall. <laughs> you know, we go to work and come home. How was your day, honey? Oh, it was just said, you know, but today, I, man, I just spoke. I gave the boss a piece of my mind. He doesn't need a piece of your mind. He needs Jesus in you. It doesn't benefit the world for you to stand being right. It benefits the world, you standing looking like a son or a daughter of the Most High God, letting your light so shine before men. That's what changes. That's why you're on the planet. You're not on the planet to give your boss a piece of your mind. I mean, how much can we really give? Be honest, us proud folks. Don't give too much. (laughs) Come on. I'm sorry, I'm not being mean. I'm just saying we have... 
bought into a thing and we're trying to find ourselves along the way and survive. You can only find yourself through Him. Don't get mad at that. Fall on that in mercy and say, yes, God. Come on, some of us have felt like we lost things and felt like things aren't the way they could be and should be. And it's amazing how he's the villain. All he's ever done is send his son to make things right and send the message of truth to us so we can finally step in and get it right. What we've interpreted the cross and the gospel as is, okay, God's a lover, so he's good, so he forgives our sin. But then somehow we've made it all about him serving us and blessing us instead of him making us more like him. Look, how easy in the flesh would it be when you're doing right and you're pastoring and you're, quote, serving the Lord and you're laying down your life for people. Watch, and you analogies come in your mind. And all of a sudden, you're laying down your life for people and all of a sudden, your own wife isn't co-laboring with you, encouraging you. In fact, she's looking like she's taking a turn and being a detriment. Now your own kids are rising up in the same hour. Just how easy would it be to rationalize that and give yourself permission to be a total mess, frustrated, angry, justify it all and blame it all on them? And all you'll do is stand before God one day and realize that you failed to live by faith. You weren't surrendered. It was all about you. And you in no way carried your cross. You didn't look nothing like Jesus. Because all he's doing is saying, while he's pinned up there and didn't deserve to be, forgive them, Father. They just don't know what they do. Say, well, they knew what they were doing. They should have. No, if they really saw, they wouldn't be there. If they were as clear as you think, they wouldn't be there. Come on, guys. So who are we following, man or Jesus? Are we following the way that seems right to a man or Jesus? Most of the counsel that's needed in the church is just because we're not seeing clear and we haven't become more Christ-like, so we have a lot of issues. You don't have issues, you have answers. Come on. You don't want... Look, we're not even ready for relationships until we get what I'm saying because your I love you gets reduced to I need you. And then you're only as good as your relationship's going and yet Christ is inside of you. Are you guys okay? I don't know how I got on this. I wanted to preach something really nice over here. <laughs> I get, I get, I kneel and say, speak, God. I, here's what I say to the Lord. Look, Lord, you know I don't have a need to preach. You know I don't, didn't come down here to be up front. But I love Roy. I'm invited. There's obviously things in my heart to share and stuff. And we're actually going to hunt later this week. And, and it's all good. But that's not even why I'm here. I'm here Because if there's one thing I say that empowers your day to look more like him, then we've done well. But I don't have a need to preach in front of you. I don't draw my identity from preaching. Man, if you weren't sitting in front of me, I still got preach in my heart. Somebody's going to get loved. On my way home, I have to get gas sooner or later. Somebody will be at the pump. Hey, man, how you doing today? You doing good? No, man. It's all right, man. Getting by. Getting by. What's going on, man? You'd be amazed. I can tell you story after story just getting involved. <laughs> just speaking up, just talking. Hey, man, what's that tattoo? Are you kidding me? What? And I, just give me a conversation. Next thing you're praying for a guy and you get in the car and think, did that just happen? It's like, and you hear something because you get involved. You take a step of faith and more comes. But if you're all caught up and you're all beat up by your marriage and your kids got you angry, you're pumping gas, you don't even know there's somebody on the other side. You're sitting there feeling sorry for yourself. And if you are praying, it's just all about you. I'm not being mean. I'm being real. 
Come on, man. Put yourself in my shoes in that one little moment. I could have said, man, God, this ain't fair. Why are you letting all this happen? What, what's going on, God? I'm laying down my life. What haven't I given you? Come on, search my heart. What haven't I given you? You think you could change the heart of my wife? Come on, I don't need this kind of pressure, God. I got enough people. I want this. I need this. Pray for me. I got, can we counsel it? And my own home is a wreck. God, are you kidding me? Why are you letting my kids run crazy? I've brought them up in you. I've modeled you. Where have I missed it? That is the wrong conversation. But it sure makes sense to man. Or we wouldn't be having it, huh? The way that seems right. But if you look what it's producing, it ain't too hard to figure out where that's coming from because there ain't nothing good about that conversation. And all of a sudden, the clay is finding fault with the great potter. That's a sure sign of the fall of man. All of a sudden, the creation has something on the Creator. Boy, the role sure got reversed quick through the fall, huh? Come on. There's a way that seems right. Next thing you know, I find two people in my life I'm confiding in, and here they've got the same kind of pains in their heart, and they become my counselor. And they'd be just as hurt as me, so they can't possibly help me, and that's who I spend time talking to. Why? Because they understand. They relate. I don't need you to relate. I need you to knock me to my senses in truth and get me out of that mess. And say, listen, man, I'm sorry she's doing that. And I hear what your kids are doing, friend. But let me ask you something. Man, what does any of that have to do with Christ in you? Have you even realized that right now you're in the greatest position of your life to manifest Him? Come on, I've known this family just a little bit now. And if Roy would call me and say, man, and, and, and I can use him as an example because it's kind of funny. And Patty would be this and this and that and this. And he'd say, and now the kids are, you know, it's just a funny example because you guys are amazing. But, but say that that would happen and Roy would call me. Man, I wouldn't be like, are you serious? She did what? <laughs> Patty, are you kidding me? No way. Well, what happened? How did Patty, why? And now our next half hour is trying to figure out Patty. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Don't you be so quick to counsel on that phone. Don't you be so quick to say, what? No way. Huh? Because the reason you're doing that is you know when they said that exactly how you'd be if you were in their shoes. And now you're sympathizing with them instead of ministering truth to them. And now your pain's relating to their pain. And now you have a little sympathy group. <laughs> Licking wounds, man. It's nasty. It needs to be that gross. Come on. Look, take a good look. And you're just licking oozy wounds. There, it's getting nasty, see? And guess what? The more you lick, nobody's healed. Everybody's just justifying and accommodating one another, and now we've made victim villain stuff. It's all because we're lacking understanding and failing to be in relationship and being formed in His image. So if Roy would call me and have that tone and, and, and he would say, listen, dear man, I just need to talk to you. And he would sound fine and everything and he'd bring up all this stuff and I, I'd say, well, listen, man, how are you doing? Well, you know, and, and, and if he would say anything outside of where I'm going, my love for him would say, Roy, listen, your biggest temptation is to this, personalize this, and say, how could Patty after all these, and why? And she knows better. And you could get your focus on Patty. This isn't even about Patty. This is about Christ in you. Your response is always Christ in you because he's the hope of glory, not Patty. Christ in you, hope of glory. 
And, I, and then I would tell him, now your biggest challenge is that you don't live Christ as a, as a 30-day money-back guarantee. Try me, see if you like me to try to win Patty's heart. So now you're going to do all the right things to send a message. That's a facade. You're doing it for your sake, for what you can get back. No, you do it because it's truth and it's love and love never fails. You don't do it contingently. You do it, period. Does every man come to Jesus? Has any man died without the Lord since Jesus died on the cross? Did he know that was going to happen? Do you think he saw that or he was surprised by that? He still paid the price for all, didn't he? Man, he opened his thing up for all. Love never fails. Here's what he said. I love you. Period. Yeah, but I love you. You get it? What a great, you won't might like this phrase of words, but what a great honor and position I'm in when I understand truth when all that's happening in my family. And not even being tempted to budge, shake, or call Roy and say, man, you got to pray with me, man. I'm really wearing down. I don't even know what that looks like. Because I'm not on the earth for them to love me. I'm on the earth to be like Him. And boy, I'm in a great privilege of doing that every day of my life, huh? You don't go to work just to earn a living, guys. It's a good tool. Thank God for employment. But it's your sphere of influence. It's where you shine. It's not where you gossip, get hurt, and complain like the other people that complain. Because that reduces you to somebody that goes to church, but you're the same. So all you do is just go to church. No, you're called to shine. Your attitudes and disposition are called to be exemplary. You say, boy, I'm sure condemned now. I blew it at work then. No, you only blew it if you fail to make the adjustment. I don't care how you've lived at work. If you make the change, let time prove that you've changed. They'll forget six months ago now that you've walked in Christ for six months. For a while, they'll bring up all your faults because they're convicted by your life. But after a year's time, they won't even remember when you were that way because they can't stop seeing who you've become. So you're not doing it so they change. You're doing it because it's God. You get it? You're not doing it so they receive you. You're doing it because it's truth. And every man needs to see that. Every man needs a seed sown in his heart. Nothing's going to grow unless something's sown. The kingdom of God is as if a man scatters seed. We're praying for revival. We're praying for God to cover the land with His glory. We probably ought to plow some ground to get some something in there. <laughs> Come on, man. You can't live frustrated. You can't live discouraged. You can't live defeated. You're being deceived. Your eyes are on you and you're trying to incorporate God into your life for a better one and He wants to transform your life. Come on. There's no such thing as discouraged Christianity. It is not gospel. Most preachers will not tell you that. They'll say everybody has their moments. The only reason they're saying that is because they have theirs. And it's the highest revelation they can preach. So they're trying to relate and not be in denial. We're not in denial. We're in Him and He's in us. Are you following me? He says if you love your brother, there's no cause for offense in him. No cause if you love him. He says, if you don't love, you don't know God. He says, if you hate, you're in darkness until now. That's all in the Bible. What's he talking about? Changing who we are from the inside out. 
Yeah, but you don't know how I feel. I understand the temptation of feelings. Yes, I do. We all do. But do we live by how we feel or what we believe concerning truth? Do we live by faith or feelings? Then why do we give feelings so much power and why is that always our plea? But you don't know how it made me feel. But you don't understand how I feel. Stop. Stop. Do yourself the biggest favor. Man, get a grip on that and recognize that it's not the kingdom of God. It's not producing life. So how you feel isn't the fact right now. Isn't isn't what you build on. How you feel is what you need to settle as, wow, man, no wonder I feel this way. I grew up in this wisdom, that. God, I'm born again. You know what? The truth is this, and you're so much greater than me. God, thanks for the truth in my life that's changing me from the inside. Man, and all of a sudden your eyes go, and you start seeing it different. You've got to start somewhere. Or you can get condemned and say, well, see, I shouldn't be feeling this. And you go by everything you feel and think because you felt bad, you are bad. No, the fact that you care and you want to make change means you're growing and God's got you in a great spot. Come on. We sell so cheap sometimes, God. We just think, guys, if we think if we have a bad memory and a bad thought, it's still who we are. Well, the reason it bothers you, it's not who you are. The reason you call a friend crying and say, pray for me, it's because it's not you and you don't desire to ever see it or remember it again. True? So why is it a prayer issue? It's not even a prayer issue. You don't even call somebody for prayer. Stop calling for prayer for all that stuff. It's not a prayer issue. It's a truth issue. So as soon as you remember that thing you did 10 years ago and it bites you and grabs you and you muse on it a little and go, oh my God, now you feel dirty and defiled and the devil's got you right where Jesus didn't even shed his blood. And you think because you're thinking it and remembering it, it still has a place in you. It's just a lying, familiar spirit that led you around like a dog on a leash and it's trying to come back and eat your lunch and look for an opportune time. And if you don't have understanding, you're going to sell cheap when you're already bought with a price. So as soon as the flashback comes, why don't you lift your hands and rejoice and freak out in God and say, Father, I thank you. You've changed my life forever. Go ahead and scare the hell out of that little limp that's on your shoulder. Yak, yak, yak. Father, I thank you. You love me. You have transformed my life. My life will never be the same. You have purified and washed me. And there was a time I had certain desires that I can't even relate to, God. You have made me free out of darkness into the light. And all of a sudden you're having a fit in the Lord. That short beach calling your friend, can you pray for me? I'm feeling down. What is that? Man, if you live that way, the devil will eat you up and make you a pincushion. He'll just do, 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 do. And you say, why are all these things happening to me? Because you're set up for it. You're in position to be crushed. Come on. You're not on the earth to never have a bad thought and you're not on the earth to never have a memory and you're not on the earth for a good day. You're on the earth to manifest Him in the face of it all. That's why you're on the earth. And if you don't get that and I don't get that, no wonder life seems so challenging. Life is not tough, man. Life is a gift. See, yeah, but you don't know what I've been through, see? Well, you don't know what I've been through. So now what are we going to do? Hash out our story, see who's been through the most hell and deserves the most sympathy? Serious! That's what we've reduced ourselves to. Everybody's story. I'm not being insensitive. Come on, I didn't have a dad growing up. He was an alcoholic. I was touched wrong as a little boy. Don't even talk to me about that stuff. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with truth now that it's come. I do not need you to sympathize with my past now that I'm living in the present and the future or yesterday's tomorrow every day. Come on. I do not need you to cuddle me and say, poor baby, I'm not a baby. I'm 52 and the Spirit of God is in me. 
Come on, I'm getting loud on purpose because I want that thing to sound silly so we stop believing it. Well, brother, but you don't know what it was like growing up. You're not growing up. You're 35 and God is wooing you. Yeah, but I can't receive the love of God because I didn't have a loving dad. Neither did most of us. What's that have to do with God and His love? Why does it even matter? Well, I got an orphan spirit. No, you're deceived. Your dad has no ability unless you allow him to reflect on God the Father. God's love is proved through sending His Son. Why are you trying to find God through earthly things? It doesn't matter. You need somebody to tell you this boldly. I'm not yelling at you. I'm cheering you on and telling you to get out of that thing. There's people in this room. There's about seven people in this room. You believe you can't receive the love of God because you had no love in your father. That has nothing to do with receiving the love of God. My dad never said I love you. He was drunk. I had to pick him up at the bars when I was a teenager. He'd curse me the whole way home and tell me I'd never be nothing. No, he wasn't nothing in his own mind. He was an empty cup. If I'm trying to drink from something that's dry, no wonder I'm dry. What does my dad's dysfunction have to do with me? Well, because you have this deep longing as a, as a child and the maternal... And the... Stop it! We've been perverted, man. Well, yes, but brother, it's in everyone's, maybe in yours. Don't sell that to me. Don't you tell me that I have to be that way. Don't you buy in and sell cheap. You're not for sale. You're already bought and you're not your own. Because see, I got saved and I ran over to my parents to tell tell them I'm born again and I thought they'd be excited, Roy. And guess what my dad did? Who do you think you are coming in here mouthing off? I didn't know what I said wrong. I don't think I said anything wrong. He's just offended. He's just not doing good. And he's thinking his son's trying to preach to him. Well, that's a sure good reason to die. Probably need me to preach to you then. If you're that touchy, well, don't you preach to me. No, you probably need it more. Boom! (laughs) I'm just having fun with you. What I'm saying is you give yourself away. Well, don't you preach to me. Well, I don't need you telling me. Man, you are so defended and guarded and you're being destroyed in your own efforts to be protected. That's so crazy. Are you guys following me or am I just rambling this morning? Am I making sense? Yes. We're having one of those moments. Talked about in the car last night. I said I was so unsettled last night and disjointed. I felt like I wasn't making any sense, but it's usually when it's okay. So one day my dad, he's in my face. He's yelling at me. He said, you, you, he said, you're on a pink cloud. What are you going to do when that pink cloud crashes? He already had me depressed, falling apart, and backsliding. And I just got saved. <laughs> and he's already proclaiming my doom and when I fall to the ground. Why? Because it's a threat when you're not flying and somebody looks like it. They're flying. It's a threat to self-centered humanity. All of a sudden, somebody growing, instead of it being a good thing, it's a threat. It's a challenge when your heart's not in that place. And all of a sudden, you're looking for something negative about what's only good. That's what happens. It's a sure sign that you're thinking for you. How many people have stories of getting saved and on fire and their whole family's concerned trying to talk them out of their zeal? Even their religious family. Even their church-attending family. Now, settle down. I mean, it's not that... 
I mean, you're going to have to find a healthy balance and you can't run with this kind of momentum all the way. It's a sprint marathon. You redeem the times. The days are evil. What are we waiting around for? Yesterday's gone. You'll never have it again. Today's close to half over. You'll never get it back. Come on. I don't have to sit around and be caught up in issues. So I told my dad, I go outside and I'm like, Lord, what, what was going on in there? I don't even know what just happened. I'm just saved. I'm like, I mean, I don't have anything to give him back. I don't have any, I didn't read my Bible and camp in a cave and come out with light shining out of my face. I just got born again, but he's in me. I'm like, what is going on? I heard the Lord. He's believed his whole life that a, a son can't teach a father, that only a father can instruct the son. And he's offended and felt like you were trying to teach him. And he couldn't hear what you were really saying because of that belief. I went, are you kidding me? He said, yeah, it's an earthly pride. I turned right around and went back in. And when I opened the door, guess what he's doing? He's in the dining room bashing me to my mom. And I'm supposed to be driving home and he's still ranting because somehow it just makes us feel better, but it makes us feel terrible. It makes right. Sometimes being right is all we can live for. Just being right in the eyes of men. So when the person that you're talking about isn't around, you talk all the more and try to get a head nod and that makes you feel so good. You get agreement. Do you know those preachers that are hurt and use the pulpit for the strong amen just to prove a point and project their issues to the congregation? Just to get an amen on Sunday. It's tragic. I'm out. I walk back back and I open the door. I said, hey, Dad, he's like, what, what, what? I said, Dad, I just realized in my heart. I didn't say God said. I said, I just realized in my heart why you reacted and got so upset at me. I said, Dad, you've always believed. So I just said what God said. He never told me he believed that. You've always believed you were kind of brought up this way and always believed that a son can't ever teach a dad, that a dad's only in the position to teach a son, and you got offended. You felt like I was trying to teach you. I said, Dad, the truth is I'm not three and I'm not 13, I'm 33. And the truth is I could bump into something along the way that you've never realized and I could impart it if your ears would hear. I really bumped into something that's good news. I hope you'll consider it. I just walked out of the house. And he's just there. Three days later, he called me. (laughs) I said, hey. I said, what? Now watch, I'm not offended for three days. I can't believe my dad. Well, forget it then. I'll just go on and live my life in Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right. No, you're whacked and deceived. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's okay. I don't need people. I got the Lord. He loves me. No, you're way hurt and you're taking per- people personal and you're hiding behind your confession that's not even real. Because there's no one, no one, listen carefully, there's no one, read this book, there is no one on the earth that truly has this and doesn't have this. Because the whole reason for this is this. And there ain't a person on the earth that knows him this way and doesn't love this way. Not a person. I don't care what you say, how many dreams you tell me you had, how many encounters. If you don't love, you don't know him. You can hide behind language all you want. Your life reveals if you know him, not your words. The Bible says, beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because God is love. And everyone who loveth 
He's born of God and knows God. He who loveth not doesn't know God. Doesn't say he just doesn't go to church. Doesn't say he just doesn't serve in a ministry. But if he doesn't love, he doesn't know God. Because God is love. And the whole reason he reveals himself to you is to make you like him so you can love like he's loved you. Come on, don't you let your confession take the place of knowing him. Don't you let church attendance, don't you let ministry, don't you let singing up there, don't you let nothing, don't you let pastoring, don't you let fathering, mothering, don't let anything take the place of knowing him. Because only in knowing him will you be the best in those things that you're called. Come on, I'm talking straight to you this morning. My dad called me three days later crying, Dad, Dan, forgive me. He said, your words won't get out of my head. I'm thinking, wow. He said, I just keep hearing it all the time, what you said. I want you to know I was very wrong. I reacted, and I'm sorry. And I'm like, cool. I wasn't like, yay, Dad's repenting. Now my heart can finally be healed. I wasn't hurt. I was just, man, why is he thinking that way? And I, I'm, in, I'm in love, right? Six months later or so, I don't know, don't quote me on that. I'm coming out of the house. It's his practice to follow you out onto the porch and say goodbye while you're getting in your car. That's what he does, except for that one day. <laughs> he had to finish something with mom. <laughs> he just let me walk out on my own. <laughs> but it's his normal practice on a normal night. And we get out on the porch, and I just stopped in to visit him, and it was like six months in or so. And he grabs my arm, and I turn, and he just breaks out, and he's crying hard. This is a man that drank his whole life and probably could sit and have a lot of regrets and judge himself and be condemned and say he wasn't there for his family and he lost time that he could never get back. You could probably, the way that seems right to man, could probably swallow you up pretty heavy about now, huh? Be real. The way that seems right to man is death. There's no hope. There's no future. There's no redemption. It's just judgment and condemnation. Well, I wasted the primest years of my kid's life. I'm this grown up. I'll never again get to push him on the swing. You know, then you're depressed and want to die because you'll never push your kids on the swing because they're 30. So why don't you push their kids on the swing and be filled with the Holy Ghost and why don't you live redeemed and get up and live toward God? Why would you talk yourself so cheap? There's people that do that, man. He squeezes my arm and I turn around and he says, Dan, I want to tell you, man, your life touches my heart so much. He said, you are so for real. You're a changed young man. I don't even know this man. I've been watching you for six months. You're absolutely for real and you're changed. Dan, I knew you before and I know you now. I want you to know I'm so proud of you. He's crying. My dad had never said he was proud of me in his life. Now watch. If I'm living for the day, my dad says I'm proud of you and I'm praying, God, move in his heart and let him see my value. I need my dad to say, you are deceived. You're living for what a man can give to you and you're acting as if you can't be complete until he says that. You know what we do in church? We get these cool ideas and we line up all the men, especially if they have great hair or something. We line them all up and we take... And then the preacher says, now some of you have never had the hug of a father, never had the blessing. Some of you haven't had your dad in your life and you have such a void. And these men are going to stand and represent your dad and make up for what your dad failed. And you're going to come up and God's going to hold you and they're going to hold you and God's going to... It sounds so spiritual. Wow. 
And people come up and they're bawling and we think it's a great move of God. If you really talk to the people afterward, most of them are crying because they're so aware that their dad was never there. And this guy's trying to replace his dad. Here's what you're teaching the people. That until God puts all those ducks in a row, you can't be free. That's blasphemous. The blood of Jesus settled it all. We're teaching the church to live by feelings and that you have all these broken pieces and unless all the pieces get put together, the puzzle can't shine. Are you kidding me? The blood of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus isn't greater than me not having a dad when I was a kid? You think the Spirit of God can't fill that in me? You think I need a man with gray hair that kind of looks like my dad to look at me and bless me and take the place of what my dad didn't give me and now I can finally run free? We teach that stuff in the church. It's not in your Bible. It's called doubt and unbelief and living by feelings and letting the past determine your life. Watch what my dad said. He said, Dan, I'm proud of you. Isn't it so cool that I didn't just melt on the porch like a washer? Oh, he said he's proud of me. And just, yes, now I can go free. Oh, my goodness. That sounds hilarious to me. Forgive me. But the way that seems right to man understands that. Oh, he finally said it. Do you hear how covetous that is? How full of idolatry that really is? Yeah, but brother, wouldn't it be nice for your dad to finally say that? I mean, everybody needs that. No, that's what you believe. That's why you're living for it. I need one I love you. And it'll change my life and change my eyes this way. And all of a sudden, I don't need an I love you ever again this way. That way, when it does come, it's healthy because it's not needy. doesn't mean you can't encourage me. It doesn't mean he can't come up and encourage me. If he does, it's healthy because I don't need him to. If you're serving in the ministry, if Miss Hannah is serving in the ministry and, and she's feeding off of somebody saying, Hannah, I am just so excited about what God's done here. You are precious, girl. You are just all that. I'm telling you. Jesus should have shed his blood for you because you got it going on, girl. I don't know what this church would do without you. I mean, you just walk in the room and the whole place changes because you're just awesome, Hannah. And Hannah needs you to say that because she's still trying to believe that. And you're trying to encourage her, but she's feeding off of it. Now we've got a thing going on you don't even realize. And all of a sudden, she's doing everything she's doing to get that response, to get that accolade. And it's not even because of this. It's because, oh my goodness, I love it here. I don't know what I'd do without you all. Why? Because you've become her lifeline. And now when you tell her good things, you're trying to encourage her and be good. But she's living off of it and feeding on it. And it's the same thing as an addiction. It's the same. It's disjointed. It's not cool. You get what I'm saying? Now, you're the steward of your heart. You have to be in fellowship with God so that doesn't happen because somebody good intended, it doesn't mean they sinned. Come up and just appreciate Hannah. Hannah, you are such a blessing to my heart. Oh, girl, I don't know. There'd There'd be something missing if you weren't here. We are so glad God sent you to this church. Girl, you just make things feel complete around here. Man, if your face wasn't on the family portrait, there'd be something missing. Thanks for being here, girl. You know what I mean? And then she's like, And she's just walking around. So somebody says it again. <laughs> Serious. It gets weird. I've pastored it. I've seen it. I've had to sit people down and call them on it. It's, it's twisted. Because watch this. You fail to do that to her. Now guess what's going on. She'll go the extra mile to get your attention. Now she'll start this and that. And then it puts her in a weak, exposed place. If that's really what's going on. And now she's living for the accolade. 
instead of living for His presence and His image. Come on, this stuff needs talked about on a Sunday morning so we don't get trapped in this stuff. It sells us cheap. Okay? So I want to read this and I'll close. When do you usually wrap up? Around now? 12, 15. Come on, man. You're, you're usually at least this long, aren't you? Yeah. Come on, man. Okay. <laughs> no, but when, do, when shall I wrap up for the kids and everything? Like 12? By 12.30 for sure. We'll be done. We'll be done. We'll be done. I hear doubt and unbelief. It's everywhere. It's my fault, though. I've probably scarred you along the way. I say I'm done and nobody believes me. I say I'm wrapping up and it's true. I didn't say today or tomorrow. I'm just wrapping up. Every time you speak, you're closer to the end. <laughs> Somebody came up to me and tried to... They said, hey, when you say you'll be done by... by like when you said you'd be done by 9.30, man, and you said, man, I'm sorry because it was like 20 or 10. I went, oh, guys, I said 9.30. He said, you didn't say if it was tonight or tomorrow morning. Or when? You just said 9.30, man. And I said, no, don't give me that. I don't want to. I'm not taking that. <laughs> but first, Second Corinthians chapter 2, real quick, and, I'll, and then we're just going to pray together. Here's why I cried out this stuff. I don't want one thing in your life, please, to have permission to determine who you are and how you're doing but Him. That is not hypo-spiritual. That is not irrational. See, no, Dan, there's this beautiful maker. We all need one another. Says, yes, we do, to make the whole of who he is. But if I need you to know who I am, then I'm subject to your mercy, to your whatever. And that's not cool. All of a sudden, I'm no stronger than the weakness around me, and yet I sing Christ is in me. Come on. Watch this. This will sound funny to you. And it will help you to not believe this thing anymore. Do you think it's going to be possible, Roy? to stand before Jesus someday in the glory of His presence, look into His fiery eyes of love and just begin to tremble and look into His eyes and say, you know, I'd have really lived for you. I'd have believed better if it wasn't for my spouse. I believed you. I would have believed you if it wasn't that job. God, why didn't you get me out of the job? You won't even, you'll look into His eyes and know you were deceived. So don't let anything sell you cheap now. Don't you tell me you're the way you are because of this, this, this. You be able to be bold and stand up and say, I'm the way I am because of His unfailing love, because of the finished work, because of the resurrection from the dead. I am justified through His resurrection. When you see me, the reason you see me the way I am is because of Him. That way, everything else that's positive this way, you can let it sharpen you and edify you, but nothing again can chip away at who you are. It's impossible at this point for you to cut into who I am, you'll make a draw on who I am. I promise you, you'll make a draw on it, you won't cut it away. You, you can't. The train's rolling, man. You, you get on the tracks, you'll get run over. So just get on the train. It's a love thing. Love doesn't say, I love you, man. Do you love me? In a relationship, as you're growing to get to know one another, love isn't, you know, I love you. Yeah. Do you love me? You know? And then, and then he looks at Miss Hannah, and one day he says, you know, I really love you. Do you love me, Hannah? Yeah, yeah, I love you. Do you really? I mean, you didn't sound real serious when you said that. I mean, let me repeat myself. I love you. Okay, I love you. Well, now you sound like, why are you doing that? I thought, that, 
relationships have went through that petty, silly stuff, and all you're doing is boasting in your need. What you're saying is, I love you for me. I love you for what I get from you. And then you say stuff like, I don't know what I'd do without you. I don't know if, I, if, my, if you would ever, and I wouldn't have you, my whole world would stop. I just, and you think that's flattering, and they should slap you and say, get a grip, that's idolatry. I'm not the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He's the only one that fits that description. My wife said one time, she said, I love you so much, I don't know what I'd ever do without you. I said, are you kidding me? Why did you just say that to me? I can tell you what you'd do without me. You'd go on and live everything God invested in you. You'd grow up to be a strong, fruitful vine, and you'd be the woman of God and receive legacy and fulfill destiny. I know what you're trying to say, but don't you stumble over sediment, girl. Come on, watch. I know we don't like this stuff. But if she'd get a phone call, hey, your husband never made it to South Carolina. A truck ver- veered over on 81, etc., etc. And man, it was on impact. Of course she's going to miss me. I'm to be missed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Watch. Of course there's natural losses. But for her to curl up and die, for her to get mad at God, for her to take life so personal and let what's a gift be at the expense of who He is, is total deception. Watch. Because of the fragileness of life, because of the unexpected, because of the tenderness of things, it's all the more reason to buckle up, sober up, and run all the stronger of a race. Come on, if she'd ever get a phone call like that, it would be all the more reason to go after God more and send a greater, louder message so all could hear. Why be a statistic and curl up like everybody else that seems right when, when their reaction to what seems right isn't producing life? Come on, if the way you're believing isn't producing life, you're stalemated, you're being deceived. Because you're called to be productive and let your light so shine. You say, yeah, but how could God let that happen to him? He's a man of God. He's laying down his life. He's traveling. And now you have this great analogy. And man, you're taking God to court in your mind. And you have him guilty. And all God's guilty of is loving us while we were yet sinners and sending his own son to become what we were so we could take on his kingdom. So why couldn't she just say, God, man, I don't know how this happened. This is crazy how this happened. But man, it happened. And God, it really sobers me and it causes me to see the gift and value of life. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for all he's invested in me and imparted me the example of watching him every day. And she just wrote a note in my suitcase last week and she just wrote me some sweet things. And, and she kept saying, she keeps telling me she thinks she's getting heavy. Oh, you girls are something. I think I'm getting heavier and heavier. I think I keep getting heavier. I'm like, I don't even know what you're seeing. She's like, <laughs> it's just a little thing. And, and she wrote on this note and she said, I'm so honored. To have you as a husband, you are such a good husband and such a man of God. I really love you, your teeny tiny wife and a smiley face. (laughs) So she prophesied, (laughs) your teeny tiny wife. (laughs) I laughed. But she wrote me one of those little heart notes. So does she love me? Yeah. Does it mean she wouldn't miss me if something like that would happen? Does it mean I'm saying something like that could or would happen? I don't even think that stuff. But I'm saying, who's ever bumped into trauma, tragedy? Listen, your children, guys, man, I didn't think I was going to get on this kind of stuff, but your children are a gift, and they were never given at the cost of the giver. They're given in light of who he is, not at the cost of who he is. Your family is a treasure and a gift. You steward it well with understanding, and if something goes wrong, it's never at the cost of the one who blessed you with life. It's in light of that one, so you need to manifest him in that moment to really see life. For you to put God on such a mandate that 
it's a make it or break it, and you make sure this, and this never happens, and you better not this, and you, and then all of a sudden now you have issues because, no, he never gave you the gift of life at the cost of who he is. Do you follow what I'm saying? He gave you the gift of life in light of who he is, so you rightly steward it in all things. What's the world need to see? Another broken, confused, despairing Christian because of trauma or somebody that doesn't even flinch that rises up and even though they miss their spouse or their child, they're still living productive and crushing the kingdom of darkness and walking in love and showing mercy and making peace. And all of a sudden they see that person and think, wow, his ducks must be in a row. And then they find out that they actually had this and lost this person and they prayed and prayed and cancer took this person and all they do is know how to shine because they understand why they're on the earth and it's never at the cost of who he is. It's in the light of who he is and we're in a war and we're not putting down our sword. I bet you that's Christianity. I bet you that's what Jesus taught us. I bet you they mocked him and persecuted him. I bet behind the scenes there was a lot of conversations about Jesus, huh? He healed their whole city and they had to try to figure it out. And they said he was, they came up with a demon that possessed Samaritan. A blasphemer. They said nothing like this has ever happened, but it has to be a catch. And all of a sudden they started looking for what's wrong instead of seeing what's right. And next thing you know, they got him crucified on the cross. And thank God Jesus didn't hang there and say, God, I can't believe you're letting this happen to me. God, why do I have to be the lamb slain before the foundation of the world? I didn't do any wrong. Why aren't they on this stinking cross? This doesn't feel good. Why am I stripped naked, God? I've lived fully clothed before you. This is blasphemous. I've done good. I've done nothing wrong. They can't see. If they didn't see by now, they're never going to see. Bunch of stiff-necked losers. Why do you love them anyway? This shouldn't be happening to me. Come on, in the natural, he's a hundred and 10% right. And in the way that seems right to a man, he's a victim. And we've all become villains. And the best he could do is forgive them, Father. They really don't know who they are. They don't see clear. Man, if I be lifted up, the light of the world, the truth will come. Darkness will flee. One day they'll see. I trusted God. What a king, huh? And we've turned it into blessings. We turned it into an Easter story and a suffering savior. Are you kidding me? It's the living epistle of love. It's the manifestation of truth. And then that same king, he didn't say sing to me, pray to me and gather on Sunday. He said, follow me. Follow me. That's what he said. Don't you tell me your heart's hurt. It just tells me you don't understand the truth and you're being deceived and you're letting something speak louder than him. I understand it can happen. You're not condemned if you're hurt. But please don't boast in your hurt. Please don't sit there and justify your position if it's not life-giving. Don't make somebody else what they're not. They're not Lord. Don't let them dictate who you are today. You let Jesus shine. You make peace. You show mercy. You walk in love. You be a sign and wonder to a perverse generation. The Bible says do all things, not some things, all things without grumbling, without complaining. Why? Because it makes you shine as a light in the midst of a perverse earth that thinks for themselves. And all of a sudden they don't even know what's making you tick because how can't you be upset? All you do is love. Next thing you know, you have access to their ears, access to their heart. Why? Because your life is speaking loud. Come on, guys. That's why we're Christians. Please don't accept animosity in your home. Don't have a need to be right. Please don't sing Holy, Holy is the Lord and fight over where we're going to eat lunch. 
be blessed in America and there's restaurants in every corner and if somebody in the car is happy eating there, just go eat there, man. I'm serious. Don't teach yourself religion. Don't teach yourself form and function. Teach yourself love by following Jesus. You follow me? Watch. If we as parents aren't pursuing what I'm preaching, you're teaching your kids to go into church as Christianity instead of Christ-likeness. Because if you have the freedom to just get in the car and live less than Christ as soon as you leave or through the day or you justify your flesh in front of your kids, then you're teaching them that, hey, we go to church because we're Christians. That's what Christians do. No, Christians live Jesus. And you're hurting your children and don't even realize it. I'm not condemning you. I'm saying, man, let's sober up. Man, and if you've done that, sit your kids down and weep and apologize and show them the humility of repentance and the power of repentance and start living cross-like and growing in Him. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're going after Him and God will purify and cleanse you in that place and He'll actually make you closer to perfect than you ever thought was possible. I'm serious. We can hardly talk about that in the church because most of us think we sin while we breathe. (laughs) I am not sin waiting to happen. I am a son manifesting. I didn't wake up this morning and try not to sin. I woke up in Him. It's a pretty good day. Did you get it? He didn't write to the sinners of Ephesus. He wrote to the saints. He didn't say to those who are about to miss it any time in Colossae. To those in Philippi who will be sure glad for the blood in a moment, I write to you. He is so intent in this book on making the tree good and showing you who you are because of Him so that you bear the fruit of Him. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. We think that's the answer to our prayer. No, He's overcome the world, guys. In me you have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. So be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Well, Lord, if you've overcome the world, why do I have tribulation? He's not talking about circumstances. He's talking about perspective. The light has come in the midst of darkness and showed you the way. So no matter what's coming, be of good cheer. See, I've conquered it all. I've pulled you out of the world and into me, but you're still in the world. You're not of it. You get it? Wow. So in deep injustice... It's not about your rights. It's about covering a multitude of sin with love and overcoming evil with good. It's not about fault finding and name dropping and power playing. It's about laying down your life for another because greater love hath no man than this. It's not your rights. It's what's he look like in it. Watch. This is how I know it's saying this. Because even in death, in Christ, even in natural death, You already won. Boy, I wish we could get that. You can't lose. You're in Him and He's in you. You're forever going to be. Are you going to tell me how tough your day is? You know, you're not seeing clear, friend. Watch this. I'm never going to die. Boy, I wish we'd get that. We pray from the fear and perspective of death all the time. They have what? There's no hope? Oh my God, we got to get to praying. And you're only praying inspired by the death. 
Not even the promise of life and destiny and fulfilling the will of God. The whole reason we're at a thousand people can pray in the fear of death and we wonder where God was. You don't pray because of the problem. You pray because of the answer. We just talked about this in our time together. You don't have authority over anything that you fear. You reduce the gospel to principles you're applying for help instead of relationship that works through love. You don't fear anything in Him. You're never going to die, so it's never about death. See, I was down south here and over a couple states and and some policemen surrounded me after a conference and they were going to walk me out of the church. Undercover guys, dressed just like you guys. But I knew something was up, man. I was like, why did this guy just sit beside me? And I saw three other guys sit around me. Well, this something didn't look right. He leaned over and he said, hey. He said, good to meet you, man. I'm officer so-and-so. And they're officers. They're all with me. I said, I knew something was up. What, what, what's up? He said, well, there's some concerns for your well-being. There's some, something going on. And we're concerned for your life. We're concerned for your, you getting out of here. Somebody doesn't like you being here. So we want to make sure that you get out of here. We're going to just escort you to the hotel. We're going to this and we're going to that. I said, listen, man, I honor you and respect you. There's a place for you in society, but it ain't here. (laughs) So if they think they're going to kill me, let's see if they can. Let's just get it on because it's intimidation and I'm not going to run around the mountain. I'll run around it the rest of my life. Come on, next church I go to, they're going to blow up the nursery if I preach or they're going to kidnap the women or whatever. Let's just get it on. Let's see who the Lord is. Let's just go for it because I ain't never going to die, bud. So you are not escorting me. I don't want any of you diffuse this. Get away from me. Don't be around me. I'm going to talk, fellowship, walk to my car alone and drive to the hotel because this is not the place for what you do in society. But I respect you and there is a place for you in society. But this is not the right war. Because I'm, I'm never going to die. You face intimidation and defeat it. You hear me? So they didn't walk me nowhere. (laughs) And I took my time and loved on folks and prayed and cried and laughed and walked across that long parking lot in a good place. Got in my car and went to the hotel and didn't... (laughs) No, you're just you. On that same trip, man, the same trip, I'm jogging down the road and a pit bull jumped off a porch. I thought he was one of them shock collar trained dogs. He was going to get to the curb, all bark and no bite. He flew right off the curb, came over and grabbed me in the side of the leg and bit into the main vein going down your leg. I never saw so much blood pour out of a body in my life. That dog came and just right in the side of my leg. And I went, whoa. I realized he was coming off the curve. I'm jogging. I said, hey, buddy, it's okay. And I said, whoa, Jesus. Boom. He had me so quick. He's like, and he turns and just right back to the porch like, you came too close, pal. Mess with me. I'm standing there. The road is blood. That's no joke. That main, you got a main artery going down your leg. His big old fangs went right in it. The lady came out. She sees my leg pouring blood. She's horrified. Oh, my God. I said, it's okay, honey. I said, look at me. Everything works out. I'm a man of God. I live Jesus. He's inside of me. It'll all work out fine. I said, don't be afraid. If you could grab me a towel, it would help. I said, I'll explain everything in a minute. Just grab me a towel. 
I'm walking in the driveway. She grabs the dog who's in the house, and her husband comes out. What's he say? He doesn't even know what to say. Thinking lawsuit, sue, damages, inconvenience, stress. What you all put me through. Boy, it's good God isn't charging us with that. It's good He's love. See, if you can't find the language in God's mouth, don't let it in yours. You're made for His image. Man came out and he said, Oh my. And he couldn't speak. He didn't say nothing. I said, Listen, I know a lot of stuff's going through. I know what you're thinking probably. Listen, you ain't got no trouble with me. It's a mistake sometimes things happen. But the dog, I, I didn't know. We didn't know. He never's out. I don't even know how he... Shh, I get it all. Stop. Look at me, man. I am a man of God. Jesus lives inside of me. This is all going to work out fine. You'll see. And I said, ain't no trouble for you. I just want to talk to you in a minute. You know, his wife's coming with a towel. Watch. Totally impossible. I'm preaching Jesus. Put my leg up. I got blood pouring out of me. I've never seen blood pour out of my body like that. If you look too close at that, you're probably going to get shook. I just took the towel and I slid it up my leg. And when I went over those two holes, the one hole was serious, man. It looked like he took one of them big old landscaping nails and pounded it in the side of my leg and then pulled it out. It's purple and nasty and spewing. And I went like this. And when I wiped the cloth over, I was talking to him about the goodness of God. And not another, not another drop of blood came out of the holes. And they went. And I looked up. I said, y'all see that? I said, guys, seriously, that's my Jesus. I said, listen, man, things happen sometimes. And I know you're thinking lawsuit and damages and medical attention. There ain't nothing going to be wrong with me. I'll be totally fine. I'm fine right now. Can you tell that? I just need you to be fine and listen to one thing. I said, if you're going to have a dog like that, you have to be so... We didn't know. I said, stop, stop, stop. I know you didn't know. But if you're going to have a dog like that, you can't afford not to know. Because if I was an elderly person, a little child, or somebody that didn't have the heart I have, this could be a whole nother scene. But because it's me and Christ in me, you'll never probably see me again, okay? Unless we pass ways, but not because of this. Look, I love both of you. I don't want you putting yourself in this kind of position. Make sure that dog's never out if you're going to keep a dog with that potential. And listen, I'm letting you know. There ain't nothing to forgive. I love you. Accidents happen from time to time. Thank God for his heart. Come here. I hugged them both in the driveway and held them. She said, but, but can't we like take you somewhere? I said, are you kidding? I'm only two and a half miles into my run. I got another two and a half to go. <laughs> I said, I'll see you. I took off two and a half miles cruising. Big holes were in my leg. I got back to the hotel. I walk in the hotel. My sock is covered with blood and the whole side of my shoe is red. And the lady, I come in, and I walked in, and she said, so how was your run? Because I make friends everywhere I go. I'd already prayed with that lady and talked to her all about Jesus and blessed her and took her hands and prayed for her. Two of the maids, one of them I prayed because she had pains in her body, and I slid her money that she never gets. She's like, why, what? I said, shh, he loves you. <laughs> it's just I have fun everywhere I go. That sure beats, boy, this hotel isn't up to par. Well, my bed wasn't made straight. Well, I, you know, people are picky, man. You say, well, they, well, I'm paying for all this. Well, he paid for you. Thank God he's not picky, huh? So this maintenance guy come around the corner and she said, oh my goodness, what happened? Is that blood? 
Because I didn't get it all down low, but there was no blood coming out of the holes, but the holes were there. And I said, yeah, I said, it was a dog. I said, she said, a dog? A dog bit you? Oh my gosh, you got to get to the emergency room. I said, shh, it's okay. Now listen, I'm not against you going to the emergency room and it doesn't make you less spiritual. In me, I just don't see it. I'm not, it's not even the topic, okay? If you feel like you need to go, go and do whatever you need to do. It's not less spiritual. Did you hear me? But if I'm not thinking that, don't make me think that. Don't make me try to do that just because that's what you would do. Look at me and see I'm okay. And just leave me alone if I'm really in faith. I don't have anything to prove. wonder if I just see. Because here's what she said. No, you have to get help. My mom was bit by a dog and, and her hand swelled up. She thought she was going to die. It was like a heartbeat in her hand and she so regretted it. And for three days, they gave her antibiotics and she was in pain unbearable because of the infection. There's so much stuff in dogs and bacteria. Now she's got all the natural knowledge on it. Isn't it amazing? The first person I talked to had a mom that got bit by a dog. Watch. Maintenance guy comes around. Yo, man, you got bit by a dog? I said, yeah. He said, dude, I heard you. You better go get it checked out. I got bit by a dog too. And I thought I didn't need no help. And I almost died, man. That bacteria, that just what she said. I'm telling you, that thing's going to flare up. Your leg's going to almost just... I laughed. I said, look, I appreciate your care for me and you guys. But listen, look. Remember what we talked about, honey? And Remember how we... And I shared the kingdom. Watch with this fellow. He's watching me. He's listening. He said, well, whose dog? What, what are you going to do about the beer? I said, and I told him the whole story. And he went. Watch what he said. He's a black gentleman. He said, you for real, man. He said, you for real. I looked at him. Watch. I said, well, what else is there? See, what's tragic is there's become something else. What else is there? I guess there's a lack of understanding. I guess there's hypocrisy. I guess I don't know what, but real's all I see, man. He said, dude, I like you, man. We hugged. I went, got a shower, got dressed, did a radio thing, and ran and preached the last night and then had policemen around me. All in the same day. Woke up in the morning and those holes were closed. And you couldn't even tell I got bit. Never had a throb, a pain, nothing. Guess what I never had? Why God, how... Bad people, ooh, why is all this happening to me? God, I get bit by a dog, now they want to kill me. What's going on? Are you kidding me? I'm having the time of my life. My heart's so free. Did you get it? I'd have hugged the dog if they wouldn't have took him in the house. <laughs> Put him in a chokehold. <laughs> he just got caught up. He's territorial. He just, so I told him, don't ever let that happen again. The last thing I need is an attorney. You get an attorney, you will be amazed how your leg will swell up and be in pain because you just stepped out of the kingdom. Because now you just want to hold everybody accountable. Well, if Jesus held you accountable, he wouldn't have hung on the cross and shed his blood, friend. If Jesus gave you what you deserve, it wouldn't be the kingdom. Come on, you don't want fair, you want him. Are you guys hearing? So he's going to cause us to triumph through Christ and through us, second half of that verse, and through us, diffuse the fragrance of his knowledge everywhere. The reason you're on the planet is to diffuse the fragrance of his knowledge in every sphere of influence you walk in. Don't say, well, I'm having one of those days. Are you kidding me? Throw away the grid for one of those days. If the way you're thinking isn't producing life, you're not thinking kingdom. 
And if your heart's not encouraged, you're not seeing through truth. Because he is amazing. And you just couldn't stop his love, could you? Took him to the cross. And he wouldn't change his mind about us. So don't you let your mind change. Are you guys hearing me this morning? I came down here just to, well, I'm going to hunt turkeys too, but I came here, I came here to stir you up today. I didn't have to preach today. The season's not till Tuesday. I could have drove down tomorrow. I came down early because it's a joy. See a lot of familiar faces. I've made some friends. It's good to hug everybody. It's good to see y'all. Look, we're the roster of heaven. We're the best he's got. There's no B squad. There's no subs. You're in the game. You're suited up. You got the ball. Go ahead and score, man. I don't care if it's soccer, baseball, football, you name it, man. We're in the game. You got the ball. You're not on defense. You've got the ball. So walk in love and score. Don't say, yeah, but you don't. Stop. It's the greatest hour of our lives if we see and understand. You guys with me? You guys want this thing? Okay. Your life will reveal that. What, what you do with this message is between you and your heart. Because you're the steward of your heart. No one, no one can live your life for you. You have the great honor of stewarding truth. You follow me? So Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for all that you're doing in this house. I thank you for every visitor, every family. I pray for peace, God. Peace in the home of every house represented here in this church. Actually, I pray for peace in your house, God. That your church would make peace and know peace and walk in love. That it would be so relevant in our lives and so true in our homes that it would just be the automatic. You said to bear with one another. It doesn't mean we'll always agree. It doesn't mean that we'll always hear each other for what we actually said. Sometimes things get misconstrued. Sometimes things get miscommunicated. Sometimes people just flat out make mistakes. But God, I ask for the integrity in this house to never cut off the value of anyone. And instead of crying for ourselves, we would learn to have compassion for one another. And God, I pray that you would sober us so much and add to our hearts what you've already been working in us and just increase us because of this morning. And I'm asking that you would establish us firm and found and rooted and grounded in your great love. So Lord, let every heart burn with the desire to become love. Let everything less be exposed for what it is, whether it's an excuse or a wrong belief. Let it be seen clear. I ask you to shine light on every deception that would keep us the same and cause our hearts to live toward you and in light of you. I'm asking you, great grace of heaven, to come and stir our hearts and make us more and more like you. In the face of it all, let us shine, God. This is our greatest hour. Like Mordecai and Esther, what he spoke to her, let it be what's in our hearts. Perhaps we were born for such a time as this. It's time to shine. You were made to shine. So Father, I bless them and I thank you for this house. I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for the great honor of just ministering and speaking. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.